This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and tell a friend to help them find Out of Water also. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Out of Water Podcast. My name is Sam, and I will be your host today. Joining me today, special guest, co-parent, (laughs) (laughs) in our household, uh, my wife and mother of our four children, Laura Kasten. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. So Will is up in Washington, D.C., helping eighth graders, you know, learn about our nation's heritage and history and everything like that. I'm sure they're having a good time. They're having a good trip. But in the absence of Will, as God would have it, we're jumping into the fifth commandment today and maybe even the sixth. Sounds good. Um, But it's honoring your parents. So kind of perfect that me and you are sitting to. (laughs) <laughs> talk about honoring your parents so that we can put this in front of our children later once once tell them about how to honor us right just watch their reactions <laughs> this is what you owe us that's right that's right <laughs> so we're continuing in a series as we talked about last time when you do the first four commandments those are all about what we owe to god so just really quickly summarizing them the first commandment deals with we have no other gods before him. And the idea behind that is he is the ultimate in our lives. He's the ultimate treasure, the ultimate value. He is God. There is nothing above him. He is the ultimate supreme worth of everything in the universe to us or out of the universe. He's the high pinnacle. Like he is God. There's nothing that competes with him. And then second is there's no idols. You can't make graven images. And that's like you you can't take things that are physical, the created things of this world, and make them more precious to you than God and have displaced loves. And so when and like in Romans, when God is talking about how the world went upside down, he puts it really plainly. He says, for they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Right. And so what we do is we make images and we chase after money and, we, and it's all these things that are representations of his goodness to us in a lot of cases, but we twist them and we make them ultimates and we put them in place of God. You know, they, In the Old Testament, they worshiped actual golden calves or statues or things like that. We've gotten rid of the middleman, and now we just worship money, or we mm-hmm. worship fame, or we worship, you know, reputation, or, or whatever the case is. It's ourselves above all of it. Yeah, <laughs> we right. Worship yeah. ourselves and whatever that form that takes. Yeah, pride is the gateway to every sin, um, and that's just reality. And humility is the gateway to every virtue. But so don't have idols. Then the third one we talked about, which I I really think is one I of the more misunderstood yeah, it was ones. Helpful to hear that. Yeah, it's you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain and that's obviously dealing with how we speak of him for sure mm-hmm. but, so but much it's more than that yeah it's take it's literally care you carry his name around everywhere you go and so you have to represent the lord because everywhere you go if you're bearing his name mm-hmm. you represent who he is and so if you're doing things that are sinful and corrupt and everything else it's a tarnish on his name mm-hmm. so you need to be careful not just how you speak but in how you live and move and think and and all of those things. And then the fourth commandment was the Sabbath. And that is probably the one, gosh, I'm so bad at it. Like I'm, I'm looking at somebody who knows how bad I am. 
<laughs> at stopping and and resting and using time wisely like because there's there's lots of you know there's vegging here and there but it's not i'm sure. really bad at intentional sure. rest and enjoying what god is which is interesting not to spoil but it does kind of tie into the seventh commandment or is that no, the sixth commandment that we might talk about today i have murder murder yeah Interesting, right? That's a cliffhanger. Yeah. I don't know that I can wait we might now. Make it. Like, what if we don't make it? That's that's kind of a big thing to throw Hold out on there. Hold on to that one. Hold <laughs> on to that one. You have to come back then for the next episode. You'll be with me. I'll, I'll be and here Will. for the first five minutes. Like, I just got to tell you, this is <laughs> yeah. what I think. We left you hanging. That's right. We're coming back for this. That's really it. interesting. That's right. Honoring the Sabbath and murder. All right. Now, my it. brain is not wait able to move it. on. That just shows you how incapable <laughs> I am of, of stopping this brain. Anyway. And so that was like, you know, God is coming with this incredible gift and he's telling us like you spin around and you're constantly trying to prove your worth and you're, you're trying to earn, you know, favor and prove yourself and everything else. And God's coming and saying, stop. I just want you. I want your affections. I want you to spend some time with me. And that's so counterintuitive. It's, it's revolutionary. Like Will talked about, it's like punk rock values (laughs) of like, I'm bucking the system and God wants me to just stop because my worth is not in what I produce and how hard I spend and what I create. Now he finds me valuable because I'm his. Yeah. And that's that's really incredible. Phenomenal beautiful. in all of it. And I love how you guys pointed out in the beginning of the Ten Commandments that God doesn't just come with thousand and thou shalt not. You know, thou shalt, thou shalt not, not shalt not. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. Um, but he comes in relationship and he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. You know, I am the one who has purchased you. I am the one who has gone to great lengths in order to secure your freedom, to make you set apart as my people. And so these commandments are not just a like, you know, a, a tyrant God who likes to just make people do what he wants. They are from a loving God who has gone to great expense to spare his people and this is a relationship and so therefore when it comes to rest it is a time to rest in the relationship that god has worked hard for yeah and the the commandments are given for our benefit like it's not like you're talking about it's not a tyrant he's like this is a life of flourishing and beauty and if you would walk in these ways you would find great blessing. Right. And he's calling us into something beautiful to share with us, you know, all of these laws that are reflective of his character. Like we talked about, we're made in the image of God. These laws reflect who he is. If we conform to them, it's for our good. Right. And today, so the first four commandments, like we talked about, which are now past episodes, are how we love God. And so Jesus summarizes the whole of the law by saying, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. That's, that's what we've just described. And now from here on, those were vertical commandments. Right. These are going to be our horizontal and how we love our parents, our neighbors, fellow human beings, which Jesus says is the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Right. All of the law hangs on, on those two commandments, mm-hmm. Jesus says, which is, which is true. And then it's going to bake it out. If you say you know, honor your parents. Right. It's so much more expansive than that. There's so much more that that means. And, you know, Jesus will say, you know, it's not just don't murder, you know, like in Mm -hmm. the literal sense, this deals with matters of the heart and it manifests itself in so many ways, just like adultery, Mm -hmm. you know, applies in so many different ways. So if you read Deuteronomy, it's like a commentary on the Ten Commandments in a lot of ways, okay. big sections that deal with this is what this means and expands it out, which is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. If you know 
just do a Google search how that breaks out. It's kind of interesting. It's oh, cool. But today we're just focusing on, unless we get to the murder thing and hear what your thought yeah. was, we're focusing on parents. And so let's jump to Exodus chapter 20. And this is verse number 12 of Exodus 20. And it's the only commandment that comes with a promise, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. It is, which you we s- actually get from Ephesians, right? I mean, Paul actually tells he, us that. He actually says that. But yeah. in Exodus, we get the promise. But Paul is going to say, hey, this is the only commandment that came with a promise. It's yeah. really important that you heed it, right? Yeah. So verse 12, it says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Yeah. I had all kinds of questions just from reading it the first time cool. through because it, you know, it's something you get used to these things, but I think hearing you guys talk about the 10 commandments makes you think more about what the implications of all that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, honor your father and your mother is talking about the family. It's talking to children specifically. Everybody's a child, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's talking to adult right? children. It's talking right? to, Yep. So, but when you start expanding it out, right, it's one of those commandments that feels small in its seed form, but then it feels like it could go in a lot of different directions. It, and it does. It's meant to. So, like, for example, you talk about Paul, who brings this up when you get to Ephesians. It's no accident. In Ephesians chapter six, I mm-hmm. want to say, yeah. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is verse one, right in Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter six. So listen to Paul's logic. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This, and this is what you were talking about. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Mm -hmm. Instruction to fathers. Okay, so like children, you're to obey and honor your parents, but hey, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And then what you notice right after that, Paul's not changing the subject, right? Because right. he goes and says, hey, bond servants, you obey, you know, you obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. So he's saying, hey, the same kind of idea, there are authority dynamics at play in the world. And all of that is subsumed under Honor your parents, honor your mother and your father. So when God first forms any kind of human institutions, what's the first one he does? He does a family. A family. family. He starts with marriage and he says, okay, Adam and Eve, this is going to be the basic building block of all civilization. I'm going to give a husband and a wife. I'm going to put you together. And what's the purpose of that family going to be? It's going to be to bring on future generations, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to bring God's design to the earth. And he's going to use the family. That is the basic structure. Mm -hmm. That's the most fundamental long before governments and all the other, you know, other kind of institutions that are established. Family is supreme. Right. Got to be supreme. And so in that, even from creation, it's like, okay, fathers, mothers, you have authority over your kids. And yet when he comes to Adam and Eve, what does he bury in that? He says, you guys have the authority, but it's going to be the seed of the woman that ultimately saves the world. Yeah. And so it's it's not just, hey, you're you get to be a tyrant, you're in charge, you get to do it. No, it's saying you because your children are ultimately what's going to save the world going forward. Right. And even though we have the Savior, the Savior's come, there's some very real sense that as parents, 
we have an obligation because it's our children that are going to carry on the legacy of salvation and flourishing and blessing mm-hmm. and everything else if we teach them right. Like the future of the world right. is in our children. Yep. And so we, it's an obligation. It's not just, hey, you're in charge and you get to do everything. No, the children also come with this really precious, sacred obligation going both ways. Yep. There's a mutuality to it. There's Correct. a sense of you are not just, and I mean, this applies so perfectly to all kinds of leadership, all kinds of government, all kinds of authority. Mm-hmm. It is, you are not given authority so that you can then drive people under you. You are given authority in order to serve, in order to lift up, in order to train, in order to teach, in order to lay yourself down so that others would grow into the people that God has created them to be, that the society, that the family, that it would be blessed, that it would grow up in the way that it is designed to go. And, um, you know, we have such a a modern mindset. This is a mindset, I think. Mm -hmm. It's not just a commandment of honor your mom and your dad, which means, okay, I'll obey, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it is a mindset of there is an authority structure that's built into the world. And modern humans don't like authority structures. We don't like the sense that there is some kind of honor that we need to give to anyone outside of our own selves, unless it serves ourselves, um, serves our own interests. And so we want to feel unfettered. We want to feel like we don't owe anybody anything. We're independent. We stand on our own two feet. And, you know, societally, we look back and we say, oh, whatever, you know, wisdom of future or past generations, wisdom of elders, all of that. We, we don't have that sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is saying that there is an order that's built into the world and there is an honor that is due to those who are in authority, but also, you know, the idea of there is to much who has been given much is required. It's not a hard thing or Mm -hmm. it's not a heavy thing. It is an opportunity to serve and to love and to build up. And when it's done well, it's absolutely wonderful and beautiful. And so like when God, you'll, you'll notice when we read Ephesians 6, Listen to the the commandment, because you hear this a lot, you know, the fear and admonition of the Lord. But hear this. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so let, let me let me rephrase kind of what Paul is hinting at. Hey, dads, don't get in the way of your children seeing the Lord, mm. right? Like there's an ultimate authority structure, and it, you're not at the top, right? There's the Lord who commissions the fathers and the mothers to bring up the children. Right. And if a father or a mother is making the entire show, like this is the Sam Caston Smith show, children bow to me, mm-hmm. I'm going to warp my kids. My job, in a sense, is to be, yes, an authority over my children, but for the purpose that, what does Ephesians say? So that they're being trained, disciplined, instructed mm-hmm. to see the Lord as supreme over their life, not us. Right. Like, in a sense, we're just kind of conveyors bringing our eye, our, the, the eyes of our children to the Lord who is our father. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the ultimate authority. And so all of these institutions that he establishes, you know, parents should give way to point to the Lord. Governments should give way to point to the family. Mm. You know, like there's building blocks and hierarchies of how God set it up. And that's why like at the foundations of our country, there's so many other countries where the government says we are supreme families bow down. Mm, right. And our country was different. It was no, the government does not exist to be at the pinnacle of this. We yield to families and families are to yield to the Lord. And that made things really beautiful when it worked that way. But it was understanding 
the the priority that God gives to each and every one of these institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you learn, right, because it's it's families and the fathers. Like I mean, you see that all through the Bible. Like, oh, our fathers. Well, what is that? What are they talking about? You know, the our ancestors. You yeah, know, the ones who came before us, yeah. right? We learn from them, and so buried in that command to honor your mother and your father is it's not just it's not just your father that's immediately in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's your grandfather and your great grandfather and your great great grandfather and all of these people that you're at the caboose of the train receiving all the blessings of what they've built and established before you, right. and you're to look back at and to, to be grateful. And, and to recognize that there's a lot of wisdom that they've handed down to you because mm-hmm. they've lived lives and they've learned things and they had to go through hardships and you're the blessed recipient of all of those lessons. Mm-hmm. And when it's honoring your father, it's not just your dad. It's when you honor your mother, it's not just your mom. It's everyone that's come before you that has provided, even though they may be long gone and dead. Right, yeah. They've provided for you. Mm-hmm. Paul. You know, Paul is a father in the faith. He has given to us so much. We honor him, not just, you know, in addition that it's the inspired word of God, but him as a human being in and of himself, like he is one of our fathers. We talk about the early church as the church fathers, you know, and and the idea or nations, it's the motherland or the fatherland. Like Mm -hmm. you talk about it in that sense because it's recognizing with wisdom that there are generations Mm -hmm. of people that have with great cost, established what you enjoy today. And if ever, I mean, that's why God is saying, I mean, it's very clear that the reason why this is the command that comes with a promise is so long as you hold to those traditions Mm -hmm. and the wisdom that they've learned, it will go well for you in the land. Hang with the wisdom of the elders that are passing it down to you. Hold on to that which is sacred. And by the way, remember who your ultimate father is because if there's wisdom of your fathers that gets in the way of the father, Mm -hmm. it needs to be scrapped. Mm -hmm. You have allegiance to him, but learn from the ways that your fathers have nuanced and had to navigate in this world under the, the design of God and how the world works and pick up on the things that they've learned that work and don't go back to the mistakes that they've made, like learn from them. Right. They've done a lot of digging in front of you. Yeah. Take advantage of it. And when you don't do that, you're doomed to repeat all the same mistakes that they learned before you. Arrogantly. Yeah, arrogantly. <laughs> and goodness gracious, not to get on the soapbox. Mm. That's this generation. Yeah. Anything old, anything ancient, anything that's more than five minutes old is stupid mm-hmm. and it's, it needs to be abandoned. And we look at sacred, ancient things like the Bible and we thumb our nose at it or the Constitution or the Founding Fathers or our, you know, the greatest generation. People that have tremendous wisdom mm-hmm. to give us mm-hmm. and we live in a culture that thumbs its nose at anything old and we think we're the smartest that it's ever been. And meanwhile, we are not living long in the land. It seems like everything's falling apart, like depression and anxiety and everything else is rampant. Like we're not happy about it, but we're confident that we should abandon all the wisdom. And it's not even society out there. I think it's very much society within the church. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. mean, specifically this idea of everyone deconstructing everything that they've been taught or deconstructing religion, quote unquote, Mm -hmm not to hit a buzzword, but I guess I just did. But the idea 
that people have not done it perfectly in every single way is does not mean that we then deconstruct everything we've learned from everybody mm -hmm. who's come along the way. And I know that's not what everybody's doing when they use that word. I don't mean to be, you know, blanket with that, but just it's a, again, it's this mindset of rather than looking at the past with gratitude and with honor and with respect and sure with an eye to how can I learn from this and how can I do things differently? Um, Rather than starting with gratitude, with honor, respect, we start with cynicism. We start with an eye to see exactly what should be picked apart. It's a, it's a critical mindset. It's a tear it down mindset. Mm -hmm. And then I'll keep what sounds good to me and build back in what seems good to me. Um, but it's, but it's an arrogant mindset when sure. we fall into it. And I think we probably, I think I fall into it. You know, I think we all as a society fall into this sense of, I just, just tear it all down and start over mm -hmm. kind of feeling. There's such an arrogance to that. And the, the, the fifth commandment to honor your, this is something I just learned as I was actually looking at the language behind these words, but the word honor is not strong enough here. Mm. Okay. Do you know the Hebrew word here? No. Is kaved, which is kavod is heavy. Mm -hmm. Kaved. Same. Same. Same root. I mean, it's just the vowels are different, but mm -hmm. it's getting at the same thing, and it give literally. To. What's that? Give weight to. To give weight to. Mm -hmm. It's literally like when you find it in the Bible, it, it's glorify, glorify mm -hmm. the right. Lord. It's it's glorious kaved or kavod, and it's the same root there and so what it's saying is i want you to give weight to your parents i want you to displace to give them extra honor to recognize that what they say is weighty that's the idea like respect you know they're the ones that have the weighty voice listen to them give them honor and you, you know it's a word that so often is reserved for god and it's so bizarre that you're coming out of these commandments that are like you know you will have one god and you will have no idols to worship and you're gonna you know not use the lord's name in vain and you're gonna honor the sabbath and then it comes and it's the introduction into the human element is in a sense give glory give weight mm. to your parents and you're like whoa hold on a minute like i was not expecting god to give such a heavy word to parents yeah. and in the translations you know they're understandably hesitant to be like glorify that's 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 pretty that's a big word so We'll put honor, and that's a that's a right translation, by the way. I'm not challenging the translation, but what I want to, what I want you to get is the the sense of the word mm -hmm. is heavier the behind it. Is literally. well, literally, <laughs> yeah, literally heavier than than what you think. And so, to tr to put weight there is really, really, really important. And you know, I I appreciate the the breakdown of the commandments that teach you how to relate to God and then the commandments that teach you how to relate to people around you. But I think that it helps to remember that all of these commandments are in a sense, how to relate to God. And mm -hmm. so this one specifically, because the question does come up and it has come up. My parents have not done what they should have by me. Mm -hmm. My parents were abusive. My parents were harsh. My parents were unloving. My parents did not honor God. And so how do I honor parents or forefather or whatever? I mean, you could expand this out, you know, that who are not quote unquote deserving of honor. And so I think, you know, in, in thinking through that, I think there's, I'm sure much you could say about that, but a partial answer is we give honor to those who come before us because we are honoring God 
by honoring those who have come before us. It is honor to him, it is love for him, it is submission to him, it is respect for him that allows us to not wholeheartedly agree with and embrace and repeat everything that has come before us, but to say, no, this was God's chosen parent, this was God's chosen ancestor, this was God's chosen nation, God's chosen church for me. He put this authority over me, and I honor him by honoring this even in its imperfect form. Yeah, we did, this actually was jumping around in my mind, when we did the series on the patriarchs, if you went back and listened to our Genesis series, I we were hard, and, and understandably so, on some of the patriarchs who did things where you're like, holy yeah. moly, these guys are broken, which is kind of freeing, right? You look sure. back at all the patriarchs, literally means fathers, right? So it's like, there it is. Even the Bible's calling them fathers, so honor your fathers, right? And then, you know, we're, we're talking about Jacob as being such a scoundrel, which, you know, he is, and Abraham, you know, and his mess-ups and everything else. And then I was thinking, like, when Jesus comes and he has a ministry, you never find him speaking ill of Abraham. You never That's find true. him yeah. speaking ill of Jacob mm-hmm. or Moses or, you know, the people of the faith that are, that are redeemed, that are the heroes of the scripture. There's lots of things to talk about their shortcomings. And yet you never find Jesus being like, yep, those, you know, geez, mm-hmm. I had to, you know, these are, these are the best I could do. What a mess, you know, an adulterer and murderers and everything else. But you find Jesus, God himself in the flesh, giving honor to the fathers that came before him. And it made me go, gosh, maybe maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe mm-hmm. we shouldn't. And I mean, I think it's okay because it points out the liberty that our God's faithful to us when we're messy. And I think it's in the scriptures. You know, the scriptures totally, themselves yeah. don't redact <laughs> right, that but, stuff out. But when Jesus is is making commentary about these guys, even in spite of all their flaws and everything else, he's giving them honor. You know, and and we live in a culture now where there's just no mercy. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't give you know the any benefit of the doubt or any mercy to somebody who lived at a totally different time period and different conditions. You know, we hold them all accountable to the strictest thing, and we shred them like the all the new history books. You know, America's evil, and the founders are terrible, and the Bible, you know, supports this and that, and everybody, and the patriarchs married multiple women, and blah 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 blah. It's like the only thing we want to do in our cultural moment right now is shred tear it all everyone, down. tear it all down. And so now we have no true north. You know, it's it's you know, it's talking with my brother Mike about where we are as a nation. And I think everybody recognizes the extremes of it, right? Like it's it's crazy. We live in a crazy cultural moment. Like it feels like some kind of a tipping point. And he was like, Yeah, it's like a pendulum though. It always comes back. And I was saying, Well, the thing that makes a pendulum work is when it goes far to the extreme, it's ultimately anchored to that central pivot point. Like mm-hmm. it's attached. It's coming back because it's attached to the central point that won't let it go any further. But we live in a culture that has cut ties with everything that's come before. Yeah. And the assumption, oh, it's going to come back. Like if if there's no true north, if we're not looking at the scriptures, if we're not looking at what we've inherited and what's true and good and noble and just and all that stuff, we've cut ties with it. What what? Why would the pendulum come back? I mean, there's no reason other than God in His grace is totally holding the pendulum, and it's not about us. Totally. But what I'm saying from a from a yeah. wisdom standpoint. 
there's no true north anymore. Like we look at true north and go, we're smarter than that now. Yeah. And and that's that's wild to me. Mm-hmm. You know that I, you know I get I get accused sometimes by some people of being too in love with America or its history or the founders or the Constitution. And I'm not a moron. I know these guys were flawed, but my goodness, the beauty of the system that we've inherited is really pretty amazing. And to arrogantly be like, oh, let's cut it all down. And oh, the Bible, let's cut it. Let's get rid of that. Like the fact that we're walking away from what's come before us, which Mm -hmm. is kind of at the heart of this command, is our undoing. Mm -hmm. It is our undoing. And then, I mean, when you look at it in the more practical sense, which is traditionally how it's taught, like just for family cohesion, just for the ability to raise up children and, and the, the, the wholesomeness mm-hmm. of, of steering a life in the way that they should go and, and having the expectation that parents are to be honored and parents should be respected as they teach. Like the more that that's lost in our culture, we're allow, literally we're allowing children to make decisions that they have no business making anymore. Yeah. I mean, from, from the extreme examples that everybody's probably thinking right now, like, oh, I, I want to be a girl. And you get to choose surgery. And by the way, we live in a country now where states like Montana and Indiana and others in the news recently are stripping custody away from parents that don't use the right pronouns or or won't support the gender identity. It gets me fired up. I think it's disgusting because it's the government saying that they matter more than the parental unit or the family unit, which is gross. Mm -hmm. That's awful. But it's down to, you know, I let my kid choose whether or not to go to church i let my kid choose the school they're going to go to i let my kid choose and it's like no as a parent you have an obligation to steer them in a path that is going to give them the greatest opportunity for success And i think parents um often were afraid to parent i think there's some sense of you know we have bought into this lie as well that all the things that have come before we'd devalue our own role a lot of times as we're devaluing those that have come before us we're devaluing our own role in this present moment and i think it's very easy to fall into that that trap of you know well i don't want to impose anything on my kids because you know i didn't like it when my parents imposed things on me and i don't know that they were always wise and so who am i to say that this is right and this is wrong and who am i to tell them what they should do and shouldn't do and you know parents are we're we're afraid to parent. <laughs> We're afraid to do what God has called us to do. But that is, as we mentioned from, you know, from Ephesians, there is a, com- there's a command to the kids to obey, to honor, but there's also built into this, a call to parents to actually raise up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that means allowing his law to be primary. That means mm-hmm. allowing his standards to be what you hold your kids to, not in a, of course, not in an authoritarian, I don't care what you think kind of way, in a conversational, in a this is why we do what we do kind of way. These are the choices that we're going to make as a family. And I understand that's hard sometimes, but this is why we're doing it. Asking, exhorting, pleading, praying, you know, that such parenting can be such a rich experience. It's not just a thou shalt and thou shalt not experience. Um, but parents, you know, don't be afraid to parent. Don't be afraid to be that authority in your kid's life that says, this is not honoring to God and we are going to do something different in this situation. 
Yeah, and this this may sound really fundamentalist and extreme, but it's the reality. The number one job that God has commissioned parents to accomplish is to point their kids to Jesus. Mm. There is, you know, like we can get really caught up about whether our kid has opportunities for this life and whether or not he's going to get into the best college and position to get the best job and everything else. And all of that is really, really important. Yes. But 50 years, mm -hmm. 60 years of a life and, and you want him to be successful and as parents, you're charged to give him the best opportunities to do that. But I want you to stack all of that up next to the prospect of where your son or daughter is going to be for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. And if you genuinely care about your kid and you genuinely believe what the Bible has to say, your heart, your passion in raising your kid should be, I need to get him every opportunity or her every opportunity to fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. I want I want them to see the wisdom of God. I want them to see the kindness of God, the mercy of God, the, the liberty of God, the, the joy of God. Mm -hmm. I want them exposed to all of those things. And I'll tell you this, every study that's been done about which kids go on to embrace the faith and to really, really live it out and to, to attend church and to, to stay engaged, which those numbers are pretty depressing if you sure. look at them across the board in the West. So they just finished the longest longitudinal study. It goes back decades following lots and lots of kids. And the number one indicator of whether or not a kid embraces the faith after they leave the nest is whether or not the dad mm. lived out their faith yeah. and enjoyed it. Yeah. The next one after that is whether or not they had godly men around them. And mm. this is both for men, the little girls and boys. And so like putting your kids around authority figures, people that live their faith out and love their faith and exemplify what it means to follow Christ. And they're not a stick in the mud who's like, yeah, just stupid religion. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who gets the joy of God, who loves the faith, who just basks in the gospel. That's contagious because mm -hmm. when you see that kind of life being lived out, you want it. And you, you find liberty from all the anxieties and everything else that kids are struggling with now. When you get an authentic taste of the gospel, that's rich. And so everybody, like this, we have to do this all the time. Like as parents stop and go, okay, these are priorities. Am I thinking in terms that, you know, their life is only from birth to 80? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a that's a mode of dust mm -hmm. in the universe compared to what their lifespan is going to be. They're eternal, everlasting creatures. They're going to go on to exist for somewhere forever. And our job is to get them ready for eternity, mm. not yeah. just college. Yeah. You know, and so when I find parents and this is not intended to shame people, but I'll say, OK, it may, it's maybe meant to wake some people up when you say, you know what, I don't I don't want to make my kid go to i i don't i'm not going to make him go to church you wouldn't take that same perspective ah, you know what he may not want a career i'm not going to make him go to school yeah you would never do that because in your mind my goodness to make sure that he gets a career and he can succeed in this world and make money and get blah 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 blah, blah and all the petty trinkets of this world you'll move heaven and earth to make sure he gets into the best school and he doesn't have a choice he's going to wake up he's going to get in the car he's going to go to school he's going to sit there and do his homework he's going to and when it comes to church, mm, yeah. the one that matters eternally, being exposed to God, hearing the gospel, you know, growing in your relationship with God, we're like, nah, I don't want to force it on them. Yeah. 
you don't have an eternal perspective in your parenting then. That's harsh. Maybe that's hard, but that's reality. You need to be taking every advantage as a parent to put your child in a position where they can get to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say that, you know, there's this incredible opportunity to raise and to nurture and to steer these children toward an everlasting relationship with the Lord. And there's so many people that, again, without having that eternal perspective to just see you know, the next 50 years or 80 years or whatever as being the only role that you have in parenting and say, well, I don't want to bring kids into this mm-hmm. world. It's a broken place. Yeah. And also just that sense of like, I don't, I think our, our society has also bent parenthood towards fulfillment for the parent. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm having kids because it's fulfilling to me. It kind of completes me. It, you know, it takes this marriage that we have and it completes us with children. And I would just, I mean, I know that nobody would actually say that, but I think that's, Mm, I've heard it. Maybe (laughs) I've heard it. Um, But if we could instead frame parenting in a sense of, I am preparing eternal souls for an eternal destination, you know, eternal um, future with God. And also, if we see ourselves as people who are called to love other people into the kingdom of God, what greater opportunity is there, first of all, to love your own children and to show them the beauty of Christ, but also to raise up children who are going to love other people and show them the beauty of Christ. It is the most evangelistic thing you can do Mm -hmm. um, when God says, go and make disciples, right? The children in your home are your first disciples. The people that they will impact are going to be disciples of your disciples. The mission is eternal. The mission is long-term. The mission is evangelistic. And so if the Lord calls you to have children, run into it, embrace it, and do it for his glory. It's worth sacrificing um, and sacrificing the things that seem much more enticing than raising small children sometimes you know it is for an eternal purpose it is for an opportunity to raise up souls who will glorify god forever that's right and that's the way that god talks about it he expects us to think generationally you know this life is not about us the psalms are filled with this so for example psalm 127 has a line that a lot of people will know where he says children are a heritage from the lord the fruit of the womb a reward Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. And the idea of that is like you're blessed to have many, many children. We live in an age now where it's like don't have more than. Yeah, what's our population replacement rate now? Yeah, so we're beneath population replacement rate. We're actually withering away as a country and not repopulating, which a lot of people, you know, oh, the, the planet stresses. Like, no, God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill our quivers with kids that love him and are, are going to, to do wonderful things. Psalm 8, it talks about, you know, oh, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, and you have set your glory above the heavens. And later on, it's talking about, you know, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And so the, the psalm is establishing this idea that God is so powerful, so immense. He creates the universe and the stars and these crazy balls of fire that are unimaginable to the human brain that are so massive and powerful. But buried in the middle of all of that, he pauses and listen to the, this 
<laughs> this verse, which is just so stunning. He says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. So I want you to think of the irony of what God's saying. He's talking about the universe and stars, the most powerful things we can identify, <laughs> you know, yeah. suns. And then he says, you want to know where my strength is? It's on the lips of little children. Why would he say that? Because what's on the lips of those children, praise, worship, faith, that is genuine power. That has the power to impact eternity. Those stars mm -hmm. will all burn out. They'll be long gone before those little babies will mm -hmm. or those nursing infants. Like the power is on the lips of the children and your generation. You want to see the power of God Get the next generation praising my name mm -hmm. and watch the power that I will infuse into that it's generation yeah. to bring about not only flourishing in this life, yeah. but everlasting life yeah. to come. And so like when you think about the the privilege that we have, not just as parents, but as as teachers, as educators, as people that are discipling kids, that are doing youth ministry, that are doing like you don't have in right context the the privilege, the beauty, the power at play and getting the next generation praising God and expressing faith. That has eternal consequences mm -hmm. and eternal power behind it mm -hmm. it is a worthy worthy beautiful calling and it's ultimately something that god lets you play a role in but you're not responsible for it because the other side of this is like oh my goodness this is such know, a heavy weight say, what do you what do you say to parents who you know i i'm thinking back through everything we've said yeah, you know uh -oh. and i don't want to make anybody feel in no. some sense like there is something like either that we've got it all figured out, which we 100% do not. There's so you many You can ask questions. our kids. Yeah, they'll be first to listen to this and say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't want to make anyone feel like e either we say we've got it figured out, which we don't, or that there is some kind of failure or shame My that goodness. should like, be yeah. carried through this. I don't want... So yeah. this, is, this is where like the, the study on the patriarchs is so helpful because you look at their families and they're totally dysfunctional. Sure. <laughs> As parents, they fail again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And they have families that are torn apart and betraying one another and putting people into slavery and faking deaths. And you're like, good grief, how could God ever clean this up? And yet, mm -hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of one of my very favorite parenting stories is St. Augustine. Like, if you know the story of St. Augustine, you know, he's four centuries after Jesus, plus some, um, and he's the most influential person in the history of the church besides maybe the Apostle Paul. Like, he's tremendously influential and in creating, establishing all the doctrines and theologies that we have. He's just a tremendously wonderful guy. He's a man's man. Like I, and he jokes around. He's like, he's somebody that I think you would have fun around. I, my favorite one is his prayer that says, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. You know, like <laughs> he seems like somebody that you could laugh around and be yourself around. Well, he was a total pagan. Hmm. He was running around chasing after all these different cults and false beliefs and everything else. And he had a mom named Monica who 
desperately wanted to see him come to faith, who'd probably made all kinds of mistakes that had sent him on this track. And she would go or to maybe the... maybe even not. Give me more, maybe not. Yeah, maybe she did everything right. You can't control this. God's in charge of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's an old saying, duty is ours, results belong to God. As parents, you got to cling to that. Because mm-hmm. you could do everything right, and it's no guarantee. Or you could do everything wrong, and God will clean it up. Like, you're never without hope. You're never at like, oh, I failed, and there's no hope now. But I love this. Monica is going to St. Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan at the time, and she's just weeping like, can you please pray for my son again? Can you please pray for my son? Just relentlessly asking, begging Mm -hmm. this bishop to pray for her son. And finally, he's like, oh, my goodness, like, would you please stop coming? And he says something. I'm probably going to butcher what he said, but he's like, you know, God would never allow the son of so many tears to perish. Mm -hmm. Go in peace. And sure enough, Augustine is converted and how is he converted like in the strangest possible way he hears a voice say pick up and read he picks up a bible yeah and he sees a verse that that leads him into the gospel he's converted and becomes one of the most influential and consequential people in the history of the world not because monica converted him yeah so there's always hope you can never despair you should never despair Mm -hmm. because we serve a god who loves your kids more than you Mm do You can pray for them. You can try to set them up for success. You can try to put in front of them every advantage and every ability to get to know the Lord. We should do that. Mm -hmm. You're going to fail at it. Every human being who's ever lived that is a parent has failed at that. And God fills in the gaps. And you can take them at his word and just pray and put your kids in the hands of the Lord. And trust, I think too, I heard recently, trust that God has chosen you to be the parent that your kids need. You know, in all of your imperfections and all of your challenges and and struggles you know god when he um had you on the potter's wheel you Mm -hmm. know making you out of clay quote unquote kind of a um, poetic way of putting that and when he had your kid when he Mm -hmm. was thinking about your kid he said i'm going to give this child to this parent Mm -hmm. and with all the flaws all the faults god is the one who is doing who's writing this story and it Mm -hmm. is not ours to own it's ours to be faithful in it's ours to walk um, and receive his wisdom. It's ours to, you know, to pray about, as Sam said. Um, but it's it's ultimately, he's the one who made this decision. He's the one who gave you to your kids and your kids to you. And he is the one who's going to carry it out. Yeah. And in all the ways that you're broken, model repentance in front of your mm, kids. Like yeah. that's one, another thing that you find in the Bible that's that's really interesting is, you know, David, when he sins with Bathsheba and Uriah and does all those sins, and then you come to his kids and you see Absalom mm-hmm. do all the same kind of sins. It's like, oh, you can see where he learned it from. Like, there's something in the Bible that shows you that when a father falls in a particular brand of sin, mm-hmm. it makes it so much more likely that the kids are going to walk in those same sins. Mm-hmm. And so if that's you, like one of the biggest blessings you can do for your kid is when they're old enough and it's appropriate, you know, I'm not talking with a three-year-old, <laughs> but to say like, this is what repentance looks like. And God has rescued me from my error and my folly. And, you know, show them repentance, show them tenderness, rejoice in the forgiveness of God in front of them, model that, and it will be so precious to them, Mm -hmm. so precious to them. I remember, I remember teaching a class and in the middle of the year, I was thinking, man, I've been so like just focused on theology and doctrine. I don't know that they're seeing how important it is to just grab hold of Jesus and love him with all I have. So I remember talking to my eighth grader. Will was actually in this grade. That's so crazy. my co-host is pretty. <laughs> 
But I remember thinking, like, I feel like I need to apologize as their teacher for not modeling how wonderful Jesus is and how it's it's for the heart, not just the head. And I started talking with them about it, and I had like kind of a script in my head, and it wasn't supposed to be an emotional moment. And but I, as I started talking, like the spirit grabbed a hold of me, and just crushed me, and I started weeping hmm. in front of the class talking to them about how I do not want them to miss how precious the love of God is. I want them desperately to grab hold of him. And if, if you get nothing else from this class, all the lessons and everything else, like I want you to know the character of God and how much he loves you. And, you know, when Mike, when I eventually left that teaching position to become a headmaster at Bethany, and you were kind enough to have them put together a book of letters for me, which I still have, it's super precious. But you go through there, and of all the things that the kids remember, tabernacle lessons and this mm, lecture right. or that lecture, that was the event that more kids mentioned than anything else. Cool. Yeah. I saw <clears throat> how precious Jesus was to you. They probably don't remember anything I taught. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that were in that class, man, that seared into their mm-hmm. brain. He takes this for real. It's humbling, isn't it? Because it, you want your you want your victories to be on the back of your strengths, yeah, not on no. your weakness. That's what they saw was my weakness. Yeah. And to come to kids and to say, ah, I messed up or to, mm-hmm. you know, to humble yourself before them and to, you know, go against everything in you that's still just like, and to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, you know, that God would use that is, is a testament to his gospel, the power of mm-hmm. his gospel at work in our lives and work at work in our kids' lives. And I think, you know, it's just always so comforting to me to know that God cares about this so much more than I do, so much more about how my heart is. He cares so much more about my kids' hearts than I do. Um, he is the one who is pulling all of this hot mess together. Sometimes <laughs> he is the one who is going to to work out all of these things that I wish were different. Um, he's he's so faithful. And I'll tell you, like my parents, my dad had an iron fist, and my mom was a marshmallow softy. Mm. And there were parts of both of them that really made me who I am today. And I can tell you when things were hard and when I was a knucklehead in middle school and high school and was obstinate and rebellious, and you could probably go back and hear some stories that I could tell you where I was kicked out of the house for Christmas and you know doing all kinds of really, really dumb things. And in the moment, I thought, man, my dad is too hard. He's too, you know, he's, he's too inflexible. He's mean. He doesn't... Now I look back and had he not been strong Mm. on discipline, I would have veered and chased all of those impulses and he loved me too much Mm -hmm. to allow me to veer off into all that stuff. He would not bend Mm -hmm. to my dysfunction. And that was love. Mm -hmm. Now I can be nothing but grateful for the hard, you know, iron hand now he gets to be a granddad and be that's a softie. Right. Oh my gosh, is he <laughs> a softie it. now? He's now he's a totally it. different person. Come, you know, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord now, which is if you'd have told me this story 20 years ago, I would have I been blown away. It's a good man. But parenting is such and I know this is honor your parents and we've made it kind of into a parenting episode. But that's hopefully if you're hearing this from the other perspective it sh- it's parenting is really important and that's the purpose of it and so receive it Mm. you know and this isn't just for little kids you know and and matthew 15 when the pharisees are coming after jesus 
and they're like, you know, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Which means, by the way, there are times to break away from the tradition of the elders. And when is that? It's when the elders are teaching you something that's hostile to God, right? You honor God first. That's right. Everything is ultimately pointing to him. And if somebody's not pointing to them, then you break away. Right. It doesn't mean that you dishonor your parents. You're honoring your parents by honoring the Lord, but you don't receive bad instruction or disobey God for the sake of honoring government or parents or anyone else. And so they're like, they don't wash their hands when they, and he says to them, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded honor your father and mother and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. That's part of the Old Testament law. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. And so what's happening at this time in the first century is you get people who are making all this money who don't want to take care of their parents when they become elderly, when they when the, when the parents can no longer work and take care of themselves. And so what they would do is say, well, I'm just going to give money to the temple and, and we're going to say that it's on behalf of the parents, but I'm not going to take care of them. I, that's not my job. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders are like, all right, that works for us. And Jesus is like, whoa, you no it doesn't work that way you're making up new traditions so that you can get out of the command to honor your parents which doesn't stop Mm, ever when you grow up until they go to glory right and he says so for the sake of your tradition maybe yeah that's right yeah maybe yeah that's true and he says so for the sake of your tradition you have made void the word of god you hypocrites Jesus is saying this is a commandment that we carry into adulthood. And by the way, there's a new crazy (laughs) epidemic now where adult children are disowning their parents. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's dangerous or there's abuse or whatever. And I, there's situations always that are the, the exception, but a lot of times it's, you know, I, my parents are too old fashioned. I don't want them influencing my kids. So I'm restricting access to them and I'm disowning them. And it's like the numbers of that. It's something like a quarter or a third wow. of all adult children Can have disowned how much their that parents. Would hurt? Oh, I've, and I've talked with the parents Gosh. that have been disowned, and they are wrecked. I've got, I've got extended family of myself who've been disowned by their kids, and it's absolutely crushing to them. And the reasoning behind it's absurd. It's so dumb. But we live in a generation where oh, you're one of those old, you know, old fashioned people. I don't want you exposing any non woke you know you know world to my children so i need to quarantine my whole world from anything that's old or whatever it's just so gross but that's where we are as a culture and that does not lead to good places Mm -hmm. you know the lord again says you honor those your fathers your father your mother your mothers so that it may go well for you Mm -hmm. which implied in that is also a warning that if you turn away mm-hmm. and you upend the family structure and you dishonor those that have come before you, it will not go well for you and you will not live long in a land of peace and blessing. Mm-hmm. And the convulsing that we see all around us now, I am convinced, is because we have thumbed our nose at those who've come before us mm-hmm. and the great ancient sacred things that we've inherited that we no longer want We've abandoned, and now our country, our families, our cities 
is convulsing to the point of falling apart. This commandment, this commandment is one of the keys to restoring that. And as parents, we need to get back and put our heads on straight to realize we have such an incredible, Mm -hmm. incredible opportunity to raise up children who love him. And I can't do anything about our country, but I can do that. That's it. I mean, mean, where am I? Where is my sphere of influence? That's it. That's what the Lord has given me in this season. Yeah, we're going through the Nehemiah study. You can't just snap your fingers and fix the country, but you can pick up a brick. Mm -hmm. What's near to you? Your kids. You know, you can't control what happens in Washington. You can't control what happens in Tallahassee. As much as you stew about it, you're not going to change it. But you can change it one family at a time, and you can impact their family and their family start with me and their family start with us that's right amen well thank you so much for joining us on this episode today um it's challenging parenting is so hard and it is so stressful and it comes with such an emotional toll of am i doing enough am i failing my kids we all feel that and so i don't want to end this episode without saying jesus loves your kids more than you do and he loves you to pieces And he can wash away all of our failures and take away all of our guilt and shame. And so throw yourself to him and live that out in front of your little ones. That is powerful. That is magnetic. Show them how precious Jesus is by reveling in what he gives you as broken, messy parents like us. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great week. We will see you next time when we get, well, whoa, hold on. You never told us about the murder thing. Come on. Do you really want me to go into it? How long is it? I mean, it's short, but it kind of like. Oh, you got to. I've got to. I I will not sleep. (laughs) So the idea behind the Sabbath is working when you're supposed to work and resting when you're supposed to rest Uh in honor of God. The, um, Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechism. Which Watch are, out. Yeah, I know, right? Presbyterians yeah, breaking in. There it is. <laughs> From the 1600s, it talks about, it kind of expands the commandments out, and it does it with all of them. And for the Sixth Commandment, what is the Sixth Commandment? What are the duties required in the Sixth Commandment? The way that we relate to food, drink, activity, sleep, and labor by protecting our own life in the way that we work, in the way oh, that we treat our bodies is how we keep the sixth commandment. So like not being a glutton and having a heart attack and, you know. Yeah, it's not working yourself diet. to death. Oh. I could have just said that. She's, she's. <laughs> Don't work she's yourself to death. She's looking at me with accusatory Stop. eyes right now. No. It's the Westminster Catechism. What are you going to say? Hey, hey they're our fathers. They're our fathers. That's I right. I honor them. They're very brilliant, man. That's right. Even though it's hard to read, they're old English. <laughs> All right. So there you So there you go. Sabbath and resting is not taking your own life and working yourself to death. There you go. That's how they're connected. That wasn't too much of a stretch, right? right. Well, we're good. We're good. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, I feel (laughs) you can sleep. That was aimed at me. That was (laughs) was totally aimed at me. Yes, it was totally not. I looked at the Westminster Catechism. There it was. So take a break. How about you take a nap or something? You're Rest amazing. person. Does anybody else have a wife like that? No, stop. Take a nap. Anyway. Stop. So thanks so much for joining us. It has been a lot of fun. God bless. Bye. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash out of water.
Oh, oh, oh.